welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Molly. Hi, Esperanza. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm currently recovering from COVID, but it's it's going, it's finally going back to normal, which is great <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm glad that you're feeling better. I remember being very worried about you last week. Yeah, I was like not expecting it to take me out as much as it did. Totally. <laughs> but I guess, I guess that's what was in the cards for me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm actually feeling a little bit under the weather nowadays, but I'm pushing through and I'm going to get tested again soon. Gotta love this for you. <laughs> Um, we have some exciting stuff happening right now. So Jody's book, Facing the Seduction of Success, came out on June 7th. It's all about career journey. Um, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you're going to recognize a lot of the people yeah, from this show in the book. Yeah, there's amazing, like, little, um, so many good tips. Like, I feel like they're just so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as somebody... Being early in my career journey right now, Jody feels like like a wise mentor figure, like taking my hand oh my gosh, yes. and like introducing me to all of these new people who have been, you know, kicking ass at their job for years. Yeah. So it's it's like the perfect gift to give to somebody who's maybe graduating college around this time. I think the best part too is, you know, even if the person that you want to give this book to isn't in the beauty industry. Like the tips are universal. Oh yes, absolutely. Anybody who wants to do well at work is going to benefit from reading it. So yeah, I hope that you guys check it out on Amazon. Again, it's facing the seduction of success. For sure. Yeah, it's available now. <laughs> so <laughs> let's um, introduce our guest for today. Today we've got Lindsay McCormick, the founder and CEO of Byte. Yeah. Um, I know that you are using... Which I'm obsessed yeah, with. Yeah, I know you were using some Byte products. How did you like it? Oh my gosh, I love them. Like the, I got some product to like shoot content with. Um, but I've also like, obviously I need to try it. Duh. Of course. And the toothpaste bites are so fun. Like I love, I love the idea behind it. Obviously, I think it's so important to be sustainable, but it's also like kind of just like more fun than just putting on regular toothpaste. So you get to <laughs> chew up a little pellet, I guess. <laughs> it's like a little candy. Honestly, <laughs> it tastes pellet. so good too that I'm like... I I have to like consciously be like, girl, don't eat this. It's not food. It's not like a mint because they're minty and they. (laughs) No, but like for real, it's so funny. Yeah, no, Lindsay was super cool. Um, I feel like you know she was she was another one of those like very spontaneous people who's just like, I'm gonna follow my heart and I'm gonna do what I want and, yeah, it, it was so great meeting her um i loved uh learning about her travels around the world this is something that me too is yeah this is exclusive to our youtube live stream so if you want to learn about how Lindsay traveled the world for 30 dollars a day um you should definitely check out our youtube stream um but In this episode, you're going to learn a lot about her career journey. That is so cool. (laughs) All right, guys. Um, So, Molly, why don't we get into the episode? Yeah, like, let's cut to the chase and get in. (laughs) Yeah. 
Hello, Wear Brains Meet Beauty fans. Thank you for tuning in. This is our 209th episode, so that's a pretty cool big number to say, and I'm really grateful. So now I'm super excited to introduce you to the third guest of our sustainability theme. Her company is Saving the World by Reinventing Our Everyday Routines. Please welcome Lindsay McCormick. She's the founder and CEO of Byte. Thanks so much for having me, Jody. I'm super excited about today. Lindsay, it's so great to see you. I love talking to you in our previous conversation. It's awesome to see your face. Nice to see you too. So um, we know this is a career journey show and we have so much fun stuff to talk about in terms of your career journey and how you got here. Um, but before we do that, I have to give you a shout out for your voicemail on your <laughs> phone number. So when I <laughs> when I called your number, I received a voicemail saying, this is Lindsay. I'm not going to check this voicemail, so don't leave me one. And I'm not going to answer numbers that I don't recognize a number. So if we're supposed to have a call, text me. And I think it's genius. So I really want to applaud you on this amazing voicemail. Thanks. I think it's very important to be very protective of your time, especially, you know, we're running our own businesses. Like, it's so easy to just kind of lose track in, like, the yeses and, like, the kind of doing all these different things where I just feel like as long as I'm up front, I put my boundaries out uh, pretty, uh, pretty like, strongly, um, I can get everything done I need to during the day for the most part. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what that is. I'm going to ring the bell for this because it's that amazing. And um, what gave you the inspiration for, like, just putting this out there that this is the way you're living your life and managing outreach? You know, I think it's... um A necessity, actually. Uh, Because for me, it's, you know, there's so many people who are calling all the time, whether it's spam, you know, so many times like your number gets sold to those aggregators where they just uh, push it out or, you know, other like businesses, like applications that want to work with my business and somehow they get my number and then they're calling. And like, there's, I want to be able to spend my time where I need to, right? Whether that's with the team or, you know, working and just constantly thinking like, oh, I need to check a voicemail or, oh, I need to get back to this person. It's just, it was taking too much mental bandwidth. And so, so, um, I mean, text messages are amazing and we all have email and I want it in writing anyway. Like, I'm not going to check the voicemail. I'm just not. And so uh, I leave my voicemail box full. It's uh, purposely full. And if if someone needs me, like if it's a friend or something, they have a cell phone so they can text me. And uh, and if it's a business person, if it's like another app that wants to work with or an app or a company that wants to work with us, they'll text me as well. And then I can know I can get back to them if I want to. Um, I try to be really intentional on where my time is going just because there are so many demands that you're you're constantly getting pulled in so many different directions all the time. Um, I just saw it as a uh, an easy win and a thing to do. And it's funny, I actually had just emailed another uh, female founder of mine that I just... Uh, became friends with that from a conference last week. And when I sent her an email, cause she was like, yeah, I'm happy to make an intro for you to this company that I wanted to work with. She was like, just shoot me an email and uh, with a quick blurb and then I'll forward it over. And when I emailed her, her email bounced back with an auto respond saying like, hi, this is blank. Um, I'm, you know, wanting to spend more FaceTime with my team. Just know I read every single email. And if it's business critical, I'll get back to you. And if not, I, I'll get back to you when I can. And I was like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. So I'm actually probably going to do that to my email too, because it, there's so much inbound all the time that it just, I want people to know, like, I see it, I hear it, I know. And if I want to get back to you, I will. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, that's I'm actually going to be doing that to my email as well. <laughs> so 
I actually gave you a shout out today on Instagram because I was so inspired by your voicemail. And it reminded me of another podcast guest of ours, Courtney. Um, she's a co-founder of Shearshare. And her email is exactly how you described. I sent her a message. I immediately get um, a return bounce email saying, hers actually says, I check my email twice a day. Mm-hmm. So I will mm-hmm. get to your email. Right. So she sets time in her calendar for checking email, which is amazing. And then um, if there are emergencies, she lists out different people in different departments of her company that you can reach out to. But I just love it. It made me so happy. Um, I'm so proud of you for doing it and taking that initiative. And I hope more people get inspired to find ways to manage their time. It's a great hack. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, let's move on to uh, my favorite question of the show. Since we are always talking about career and journey, let's go back in time. Lindsay, to, you know, your 11-year-old self. Um, what do you want to be when you grow oh, up? My 11-year-old self. Okay, so I was, um, I always wanted to be everything. I wanted to be like uh, an astronaut, an archaeologist, like an FBI agent. Like I literally, I just, I, I wanted to do all of the things um, and it was a new thing every week. And I think that's actually kind of interesting because that's even after college and throughout high, like throughout high school and college and after college, I've always had like a bunch of different jobs. Um, Whatever I thought like I was curious about, I thought would be interesting to learn, to know how to do, um, I would want to get a job in it. And so, yeah, I I never had like any major, you know, career ambitions as a kid, but I just wanted to do all of the things. I I wanted to do them all. (laughs) And were the people around you encouraging of that? Yeah. So my parents were always really, really encouraging. And my family was always really encouraging of just kind of following your happiness and just kind of understanding that like you, the, if you follow what you're interested in and, and what you're good at, you'll like success will eventually follow. Um, you know, and so I think that was something that they were always, you know, they were like, if you want to go to space camp, like start saving up for space camp. And if you want to go, you know, and do this, like, you, you know, so it was, um, they, it's, you know, they were very encouraging. Um, but then also we're like, if you want to do these things, you have to put the work in to do it. So, yeah. Well, um, what was your first job that you actually got paid for? So my first job, I was an elf at the mall. <laughs> I was with like the straight up hat and everything. Um, yeah, I was the, I was an elf at the mall in uh, Tyson's Corner. And it was, you know, where you can go and you can bring the kids to go take a photo with Santa. I was the one either trying to like distract the kids and not let them cry or to actually taking the photos. Um, and it was a it was a really fun first job. I was saving up for my car, my first car. So I liked it a lot. <laughs> And were you good at this job? Yeah, I was good at this job. I have I have a lot of patience and um, and like a sense of humor about things. And I feel like some, you know, it's like with with screaming kids who are all dressed up and like terrified of Santa. And you know, and it just you just have to have a certain type of personality um, for that. And I, I it definitely suited my personality. That's for sure. And were you able to save up for that car? I was. I was not just from that job. I had that job. That was like a seasonal, you know, that was my winter job because uh, I was 15. So I had a work permit. Right. Do you remember like you had a work permit? Or what? So I was 15. I had a work permit. That was like one of the ones that would let do it. And then um, I got a job at the Rainforest Cafe in the same mall. I was in their their retail store, which was also very much me. I was like, if I'm going to be anywhere, I want to be like where they're spouting rainforest facts all day. Uh, so I was uh, I got a job at the Rainforest Cafe in the um, in the retail store, that little like store that they have when you walk through 
the restaurant. That's so awesome. Okay, so let's skip ahead a little bit in your career. You told me that you've been a surfing instructor, a snowboard instructor, you've worked at Starbucks. How did you make these decisions? What was your guiding force? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've had so many, so many random jobs. Uh, And when I moved to LA, like I was an extra, like through LA casting, I was a bartender and like a server. For me, it was always... Um, like I just did jobs that felt that seemed interesting with good people that I felt like could be helpful. Like, honestly, I got a job at Starbucks because I loved coffee and I wanted to learn how to make all their drinks. And I was like, well, might as well just get paid how to like learn how to do this. And it was amazing. Like all throughout college, like I bought an espresso machine and I was making like Starbucks quality drinks on like a college budget price. And it was, you know, I think for me, it was just, what do I think is interesting and what will, you know, help pay the bills? Um, obviously snowboard instructor, surf instructor. Um, I did that right out of college, um, wasn't making much money at all. Uh, I mean, I think there is money to be made in snow and surf sports, but I was not making a lot of it, but I, I loved it. You know, every day I was outside and every day I was doing what I liked to do. And so it was a really, it was a really great job for me at the time. So, and it was the same kind of patience that I had from working with kids when I was taking photos of them when I was 15, you know, so with Santa. When I, um, was finishing up school, I felt this like social society pressure to like have a cool job. And, you know, I ended up working at a big advertising agency in New York City, you know, in very junior role. But I thought like it had to be that way, right? My peers were getting jobs at investment banks or like um, biotech companies and all this stuff. Um, So I didn't really have, I guess, the feel grounded enough in like what my passions were, my what my vision for myself was. I just sort of followed along on that train. Um, did you feel those pressures when you were making these decisions that maybe weren't like, you know, it wasn't a money focus. It was just the joy focus. So luckily, honestly, not really. They were of course there, but I chose not to listen to them. Right. So I drove the same dented up Honda Civic that I bought when I was 16 years old. I drove that all the way until I was like 27 years old. Like it was like, but I had no car payment and I didn't care. And it was like, it was totally, I I have always very much been about like life design and um, kind of following your happiness more than following anything else. But I will say like on my 29th birthday, I got a job and this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but I got a job as an assistant as a production company, a TV production company. And I was making $600 a week. I was living in a friend's guest room. And I remember talking to like my friends who I grew up with, like I lived uh, right outside of Northern Virginia, or I lived in Northern Virginia, right outside DC. And they were like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to be able to make my goal to make six figures by the time, you know, I'm 30, you know, and I'm sitting here being like, oh my God, I'm making $600 a week and I don't have health insurance, you know? And But for me, it was, it wasn't the, I didn't really feel pressured. I just felt like, wow, what different life choices. Um, Cause I also noticed like a lot of my friends who were having those really high paying jobs, they also like had really um, expensive lifestyle choices that they were making. They were like, you know, they lived in expensive apartments. They drove nicer cars. They, you know, went to the gym and they didn't really necessarily seem happier than I was like living in a friend's guest room, like driving a POS car. And like, I was just kind of like, I think we're just making two different choices, but I don't think either of them are right or wrong. Um, one of them is definitely more valued by society. I feel like in general. Um, but I didn't really feel the pressure to, to do that. It was just kind of like, Oh, it looks like there's another option that I'm choosing not to take. Um, but Yeah, I was aware of it, but didn't necessarily feel pressured. I love that you were able to make the other choice because um, I think it's what many of us actually want in our heart. 
right? You know, I'm in my 40s now. Like my friends, you know, they they all want to like maybe if they are good at snowboarding, they want to go, you know, do this for a living, right? So they kind of want to go back in time a little bit and um, pick something that's not so focused on a certain path um, that's kind of preset and predetermined, but just follow their joy. So it's amazing that you, um, you know, at such a young age made that decision and stuck to it. Thanks. I mean, it wasn't easy. I definitely was very stressed out the entire time, you know, but it was, I think it was, it's all about choices, right? I I don't think any choice is like easier, harder, right or wrong. It's just like kind of um, making the choice and then being like, okay, like this, like, how do I make the best of the choice that I made, you know? And so, and then kind of being like, okay, so if this is what this is. And so, yeah, I think that there was definitely, um, yeah, you're, it's, um, man, your twenties are a wild time. 20s and you're just trying to figure things out, you know, and there's so many different things, especially with like social media. I feel like, you know, we were kind of the first generation to live through the 20, like your 20s, like seeing what everybody, all of your peers are doing. And I think that that was something that, um, you know, I wonder if we'll like look back and, and see, especially as these upcoming like Gen Z who, you know, they, like notably will not like work jobs they don't like and do these things. It's like, was it is, is it because they can see all these other options now um, kind of turning out for people who are following, you know, their passions or following it? I don't know. I think it, I think it's a really interesting social experiment that we're all participating in every day. <laughs> you make such a good point. I never thought about it that way, Lindsay. Right when I was in college and graduating, all I knew was the jobs that I've seen on TV, right? In like TV shows and movies or um, like the types of jobs people were recruiting on my campus for. And my campus was like people going into engineering and like biotech and investment banking, like nothing that I was interested in. So I had a really, really narrow view of what my possibilities are. Um, and then, yeah, like fast forward to the young people on my team now, like they they see so many different types of jobs, right? From candle making to banking to whatever. Um, and they have, um, that gives them more choices. I think more um, kind of control over their destiny. Yeah. I totally agree. And even just more access to how to be an entrepreneur, right? Like if you want to be, if you want to have your own candle making business, you can find out like how to make candles from the internet, then how to build a business from the internet. Then like even, you know, the nuts and bolts of like, how do you start an LLC and how do you like, it's, it's literally all here. Um, and it's never been easier to see it and like to do it and to follow kind of that step-by-step, not saying it'll work out, right. There's always like a matter of like grit and luck to every single business. Uh, but it is, at least it's there. And it's like, you, you can't be what you can't see. And I think right now people can see a variety of options for them, no matter what their passions are. Well, thank you for that segue, because I want to actually talk about um, <laughs> how how the tide turned. And that's um, the tide is pun, a pun here, um, on your career choices. So you told me that um, you had um, a change of heart about what you're doing when you're working as a surf instructor and noticing plastic in the ocean with you. So tell us a little bit about that time in your life. Yeah. So I was um, in my late twenties and I was a yeah surf instructor in the summer and snowboard instructor in the winter. And I, I loved it. I was here in Malibu, you know, and then up in Big Bear, which they're an hour and a half away from each other. And, but every day I was noticing over those four years, more and more plastic washing up on my board when I was in the, when I was out in the ocean in Malibu. And then when you're working in the snow sports industry, just like so much of the conversation was around, you know, is our sport going to be around in 10, 20 years? you know, with climate change, with global warming. And so it started really getting it on my radar. I'd always been passionate about the planet. I'm a longtime vegetarian, uh, you know, actually vegan for a very long time at this point as well. And so it had always been something that was really important to me, but then like living it and seeing it every day, I was like, okay, I really want to be able to help with this more than like, you know, 
organizing a beach cleanup with my friends. And so what can I do? And so I wanted to get into documentaries, actually. Um, I had seen, this was like back, oh man, it was like 10 years ago or something. Blackfish had come out, which is the um, the documentary on um, the killer whale that uh, it's called Tele- Telecom. Oh my God, I forgot the name. But it's a killer whale. And basically it... it that documentary between that and the cove really changed the conversation for marine mammals in general. And now we look like 10, 15 years later and like there's so many different laws that are there to protect them. But like that all really started from those documentaries. Um, and there's just so many documentaries when you look at um, the the quiet change that they make um, once people start really listening. And so I wanted to be part of that. And I was like, I would love to be able to work on nature documentaries, conservation documentaries, and try to get the word out about this. Um, but I didn't know anything about TV or anything like that. So I um, I got a job uh, as an assistant at a, t- a television production company, figuring I would build up my tool belt um, in Unscripted, which is basically reality TV. I was working on the show House Hunters eventually um, to kind of figure out how do I, how do you piece together and puzzle piece together stories and make things compelling so I can then eventually um, talk about uh, like nature, you know, uh, conservation and things like that. So that was kind of the hard left turn of going from like snow and surf sports to, to TV. And, um, it was during my time on, you know, the TV shows, like traveling all the time for work that I came up with the idea for bite. So it was like a long twisted journey that all kind of came together in the end. So how did traveling for the show, um, inspire bite as an, as a business idea? So, okay, so when you travel for a show, and I'm sure for you too, when you're traveling for work, you only travel, like, I was only traveling carry-on only because I'd only be in a place for a few days. And so I would refill my shampoo, my conditioner, my my sunscreen, but I couldn't, I was throwing out a little toothpaste tube after every shoot, right? Because they're so small and you you use so much, like, so fast. And I was like, this seems so wasteful and I want to find a solve for that. So I started looking to alternatives, like everything, you know, there, there were some tablets on the market, but they were in plastic and I didn't like how they tasted they didn't have great ingredients. And then there were some tooth powders, but they were so messy and they were a disaster. And I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't do any of this. So I was like, okay, I think, you know, and then through that, I learned about all the ingredients that are in most commercial toothpaste that I hadn't even thinking about. And the fact that most had actually been tested on animals as well. So as a longtime vegetarian vegan, that was a problem for me. Uh, and so it was like, okay, I feel like I just need to redo this from the ground up and I'll make these tablets for me to use. And like maybe some of my friends that, you know, are TV producers who also care about the planet. And that's how it started. So I literally, I bought a tableting machine. Um, I spent time taking uh, open source uh, online chemistry classes and uh, just learning as much as I could, talking to dentists, dental hygienists, until I finally came up with um, the formula. It's actually very similar to what we use today. Uh, And I was pressing out these tablets in my living room. I love this story. So, um, you know, it's been just about four years of running Byte. And, you know, when you think about that, that's like your your college career, right? Your freshman year. You had your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, and now I guess you're in your senior year. And then there'll be the graduate school or business school of version of this business and growing it. Um, so four years is like probably feels like a million years sometimes and also like a blip um, simultaneously. <laughs> Yeah. That's so funny that you say that because the first thing that I just thought about that when you were like, it's your senior year, I'm like, 
Oh, I remember in high school, I had like the worst case of senioritis. Like I was just like out. Like it was so bad. I don't necessarily feel like that now. Um, but like, oh, it makes sense. Like you get, you start being like, all right, you know, what's going on? And same thing with college. College, like by the fourth year, I was like, man, I am like this town feels small. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We're, I'm in my senior year for sure. Right. And I think what that means, and like maybe you don't have senioritis now, but um, you learn to do the same thing over and over again and, you know, get it to a place where it's optimized and working. And what I think happens with someone like you who's ambitious and highly motivated and, you know, mission driven is that your brain opens up to more ideas of how to move this idea forward, right? So, it, you know, the senioritis was, I want more, I want different, I want a different town, different people. But here in your business, it just means like, I'm going to f- invent new ways to do, to reach my goals, right? It just opens um, your brain up to having more space. So, you know, it's um, a great segue to this idea of growing the business that I've been thinking about a lot. And just to plug my book that I'm launching in June, it's a book that's um, a summary of the wisdom that I've learned on my podcast. And it's all about the topic of um, success being seductive. And I know it's a really disarming word in business, but it's like just always made so much sense to me. From the minute where I like reached one of my goals, even if it was tiny, I got this little taste in my mouth and I wanted more. And it's just like a seduction, right? My business, this like abstraction is calling to me right at all hours like popping great ideas in my mind in the middle of the night or encouraging me to send that email or go be bolder or whatever it is so I'm so curious about you know the past four years for you has growing this business been a been seductive for you that's such a good question I mean it's so interesting um how that happens. (laughs) Like, you know, where it's like, you start off and you're like, if I just make $10,000, like, I can't believe it. And then it's like $100,000. Then you're like, $10 million. And like, that's still not enough, you know, annual revenue. And so it's like, you really do um, start wanting more. And, you know, on one hand, I think that that's so necessary. That is like, that's literally leveling up, right? It's like, you're going, you're leveling up, you're getting better and better and better. That is like the goal that you have. Like, you know, I, I like to equate a lot of the stuff that I do to like my time as a surf and snowboard instructor, where it's like, you want to just constantly be getting better and you fall and you get, you know, you hurt, but you get back up again and you try and you go and you go and go, you're leveling up. Um, but at the same point, it's very true where there's a, a quote that I love. It's from, um, an author called Ryan Holiday and he has, a newsletter called The Daily Stoic, which I which I absolutely love, and also a variety of books all on stoicism. But one of the things that he says in his podcast is that if you don't know what you're after, the default is always more. And I think that's something that I always really try to keep, um, you know, counterbalanced to the um, the leveling up mindset, right? Because there is there's a really you know. I, I think that the growth at all costs mentality is incredibly unhealthy. I just, I don't think that's a good thing for businesses to do. And I don't think it's a good thing for people to do. Um, But I do think that there is a really tough line between wanting to level up and be the best version of yourself, you know, and the best version of your company and, you know, winning and all of that fun, you know, like stuff. Like I, I, I it, it's fun, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's a game and it's like really fun to figure out and play. Um, And then like understanding that, to be happy with what you have and to be thankful with what you have. And if you don't know what you're, yeah, if you don't 
know what you're after the default just becomes more and you just want more and more and more. And then you're somebody else who's, you know, insatiable and, and, you know, whether or not you're happy or, you know, I just think it, it, um, it can, you can get really caught up. So those are two thoughts that I try to always kind of hold in my head, um, and, and let them kind of balance each other out. You know, sometimes it's more on one side than the other. Like it's not always like a perfect scale. Um, but I do think that they're both, they both need to have the same weight, uh, whether or not, you know, maybe you tilt one way or the other for a certain amount of time. You just mentioned something that's so interesting. I, I never occurred to me before, even through writing the book. So um, you talked about like it being fun. It's a, it's a fun game to play, right? Like, what can I do today? You know, how can I reach my goals today? How can I inspire people today? And um, maybe that's why this theme comes up so much on the show is because this whole show is about meeting people in beauty and wellness. And I guess if you're like, in this industry, you like it, right? You're here for a reason. So there's so much joy and passion built into all of these professionals' careers and career journey that that's the tension, right? It's this joy and passion on one side and the fun of it with the, oh, this is hard, this is challenging, it requires a lot of work, right? And that's where the seduction happens, right? I guess I wouldn't be seduced by my business if I thought it was a bore, right? It's But it's because it's fun, because I feel engaged and like I'm, you know, working new muscles in my brain and whatnot. That's the reason why the seduction can happen. Um, I guess that's also, um, so it's like the there's a great side to the seduction, an amazing side. And then there's the challenging side, which is, well, how do I make time for things outside of my work, right? Because I am a whole human, right? I'm not just a one-dimensional human. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, you know, especially that, that, love is so important. Like it's, it's literally flow, right? Like when you're, when I'm the, at my best with my business, I'm in flow and that is the best feeling in the entire world. And the fact that like we get paid to do this and we're, you know, are able to build a business in this and like to be able to do this is just, it's, it's amazing. It's like the, it's the best thing in the entire world. Um, but I think it's also just, yeah, really important to like, understand that, you know, you do need to be able to find flow in other places, you know, or if, whether that's, you know, for me, I like to go rock climbing um, and I like to go on a hike and I like to hang out with my dog who keeps wandering around my apartment. If you would see him, his name's Nemo. He's very sweet. Um, You know, and I like to, there are so many other things that I like to do. And I think that it's kind of like figuring out like where you can tap into flow. That's not just necessarily work. Right. Because then it's like, you're not really totally listening, um, living holistically. But I think it's also really important to remember how incredibly lucky we are that we can tap into flow at our jobs. And that's something that I try to always remind myself, even when things get really hard um, or things get really frustrating or overwhelming or exhausting. Um, it's just such like a, a privilege to be able to kind of have a job where I can find flow, um, you know, because I think that that's something that's um, really special, you know? Oh my gosh, I totally agree. You know, I've been in the beauty wellness space for so long now. I mean, maybe it's like 20 something years. And before that, it was um, tr- traditional advertising. So that to me feels like pop culture in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that's like the power of the messages that you're sharing today. And my other guests have shared before is like um, finding something that you love what you do, even if it's a hard day. I'm not saying every day is easy. You don't love every single moment. But like overall, if you're like, wow, this is cool. This is a fun place to be. Then um, you're probably going to get caught up in this seduction because it's it's um, like a playground, 
right? You don't want the kids don't want to leave the playground, right? They scream and kick when their parents say it's time to leave the playground, right? Like, so that's that's what's happening here in our work is like, well, I'll just keep sending more emails because this is fun and people are responding or I'll respond to, you know, more DMs or whatever it is, right? Because this is fun. Mm-hmm. And you get those little dopamine hits of success, right? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, oh, like, and it's, it's <laughs> actually when you say that too, it's like, it's, and this is like the variable, like the reason that I feel like it's, seductive, right? Which you can also would say is addictive is that it's, it's variable. It's kind of like gambling, right? It's like not everything you do is going to be a hit. And if it was, it would be boring, right? So it's kind of like if I, you know, keep responding to these DMs, like who am I going to meet? Like what partner am I going to, like what partnership am I going to be able to spring from this? And like, it's, those are the types of things. I mean, that's exactly like what a freaking slot machine is where it's kind of like, I don't know when, when's it going to pay out? I don't know, but keep doing it, keep doing it, you know? So it's, um, I, I try to always, you know, kind of, I said about it before with like the the social media thing. I just I think there's so many like brain like brain psychology is just so interesting. And when you actually just take a step back, like it we're all we're all operating off the same or like similar chemistry, right? And so different things are happening to different people, whether it's in their jobs or, you know, uh, hobbies or gambling, but it's all the same payoff, right? Is it like serotonin, dopamine, like what's happening in your brain that's like making this like happen? So yeah, I don't know. That's like super esoteric, but like, I think that stuff's fascinating. Well, I love ending on that note, Lindsay, because now I'm seeing like, I never thought of myself as a risk taker, but I'm totally just throw money in that slot machine every single day, right? Like, try it, try it, try it, like, and throw money in it and pull the, pull the, the um, handle and see what happens. So, um, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. And please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.